Well, again, we uh, have been in this series waiting room, and for those, I realize, again, it's, it's a room of people that maybe haven't been here the last few weeks, don't feel like you've you know, missed out or that you can't be here or appreciate the message today. You have missed out uh, because the first three sermons were amazing and great, and we do want you to go check those out. Uh, but they, they, you can roll today, and you're in a great place, and you'll know exactly what's going on. Um, but it is good to have you. And, and again, we're in this waiting room series, and the whole idea of this series is we're really in a waiting room much of our lives, aren't we? We're always waiting. No matter how much our best efforts have, have we've tried to be efficient, uh, much of our time is spent waiting. And, you know, we established week one that everybody here loves to wait. Uh, it's a joke. You can laugh. It's, I mean, unless you really like waiting. Um, but it's, it is. It's something that's just not ingrained in us, is it? We, we are a, a now culture. We are, it's ingrained in us to, like, we want it quick and we want it now. And if I have to wait more than three seconds, it's too long. But this idea of waiting, though, you know, we've been hitting on it. And, you know, again, as Pastor Santiago shared uh, this, this morning already, you know, these three weeks about joy in the waiting, you know, and, and again, that joy is not an emotion. It's sometimes a choice. And when we walk with the Lord, we can have joy even in those moments when we've waited, even for a long time. And, you know, that's something for us to, to recall and to really spend some time uh, thinking on. And then we, you know, the second week again, as Pastor Santiago brought that message about perfecting us in our waiting, that God does that. And again, that's a hard one for me. And that's one I do not want to admit. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I have the picture of, of, of you know, the, the refining fire that they put metal in. And that's what I feel like when I'm waiting for something. It's just, it's painful. Amen? Somebody agree with me, please. Uh, it's, it's hard. <laughs> and, you know, it is. And, but, but there is something that takes place, though, in that time and in that season, especially if we allow it to. If we allow God to work in our hearts and allow God to move and to, to, to work things out in us. Because if we're honest, a lot of times we need that time of waiting. And honestly, it's, it's just almost like a, a flip of a switch or it's just a small deviation where that time of, of waiting can become a time of preparation. Right? Because isn't that what preparation is in one sense? It's waiting, but it's waiting with a purpose. It's waiting, and while we're waiting, we're doing something and we're, 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 we're being perfected, as we would say, and God will do that in us if we allow that. And the third, again, that third week last week, that even in that pressure of waiting, as we looked at Joseph and gave Joseph, you know, a good shout out, as we talked about last week, because, you know, Mary gets all this spotlight most of the time, and that's fine. But we gave Joseph a little love last week. Right? Because he was there too. <laughs> Even though there's not a song about him, but he was there. And the great thing was, is that even in that pressure, and he had some hard decisions to make when he found out his fiance, basically, as we talked about, in that culture, they were basically married and finding out that she's pregnant and it wasn't by him. Can everybody agree that he had some hard decisions to make? But he did them well because he, he looked to the Lord and he trusted God and he stepped forward in faith and God led him through. And so those were the three weeks leading up to this moment. And so again, this whole idea of a waiting room. For, I don't know about you, but for me, when I think of waiting rooms, I, th I think of a hospital. How many just can go there with me? A waiting room. And it's always interesting what you see in a waiting room, right? You, you see just people at very different places. You'll see people pacing. You see people crying. You see a family huddled together. You see people praying. You see some people laughing, right? 
It's just this, this mixed bag of, of, of moments happening. I remember when we were in the Middle East and we were pregnant with our third son, Joshua, and it came time for us, the big day it was a C-section, so it was supposed to be as relaxed as you can be, at least relaxing for me. I don't know about Leanna. Um, but it was supposed to be this, this, it was scheduled. So again, no rushing to the hospital, no big surprise. And, and we go in and, you know, they're getting Leanna prepped and she's got this really cool like hat on, you know, like the hospital hat and this gown that they give you. It's amazing. It's really pretty. Um, and she's all done up, looking her best. And, you know, we're ready to go and they prepare all the stuff and they're, they're ready. We're ready to go in and they're ready to wheel her out of the room and go into the operating room. And I don't know what it was, but somewhere along the way, I don't know if I missed this, but they left out a very small detail. And that detail was that I was not allowed to go into the room when the baby was born, right? And I had been there for my previous two sons. She had C-sections for them. She had C-sections for all our kids, by the way. If, if you ever just see her, just tell her God bless you, because um, that was rough. Um, but, but this was going to be a C-section. I had been there for my other two that were born stateside, and I just was not aware that at that hospital, that's what they did, that they, it was not allowed for her to, to go or to, for me to be in there. So as you can imagine, this whole sermon series was born in that moment, that I had a chance to find joy in that moment of waiting. Um, and I had a chance to be perfected in the waiting as I was having a very wonderful conversation with the surgeon that was about to operate on my wife and bring my child into the world. And I... I don't know if I was pastoral at the moment. Um, I was a little frustrated. But I was calm. I'm a pretty calm person most of the time. And I was just like, you know, hey, this wasn't shared before. And they're like, well, do you want to roll her out, you know, and roll her down the street to another hospital? I'm like, well, that's not really an option. I don't think that would be good. Um, and so I, I would never forget the, the thing I said. I, I said, and it's funny with cultures, right? You talk about cultures and we read the Bible and those cultures. I said the word, I said, simply said this phrase. I said, this is ridiculous. This is what I said. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if I offended you when I just said that, but I offended this surgeon deeply in that moment. And he starts yelling at me. I spirited, spiritedly respond. We're going back and forth. And somewhere in the midst of that, I, 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 it clicks in my mind, like, this potentially is the man that's going to slice my wife open and bring my third child into the world. I really want him on my team, and I should probably be on his team. And so, you know, you're in the middle of it. Then pride comes in a little bit, if I'm being honest, you know, like, come on, you know, this is crazy. But I, hey, I, I, I talked him off the cliff. And we, we came down, and I said, you know, I'm sorry. It just rolls off your tongue. The longer you're married, actually, it becomes even easier. It's just, I'm, I'm sorry. And, you know, I think that, because, I mean, his English was good, but it was, you know, he, he, he was from that part of that region of the country, or the world. So, so um, we did come to terms. We shook hands, and the one, the other anesthesiologist that was there was said, listen, I'll, I'll bring him out. As soon as he comes out, I will bring him out and show you your son. So there I am in the Middle East, very different setting than the hospitals here. I'll just put it that way. Um, you know, it's someone that you'd probably want to pull out some cleaner and a rag and start wiping. It just was very different scene, I promise. And I'm by myself. How, how does that happen? I don't know. But I'm by myself. And do you talk about waiting? 
I was pacing. I'm like, I'm anticipating. But again, all of these things, I can, I can go back and I can see that, you know, there was this joy. There was this anticipation of my son being born, right? That's great. As there was this thing happening. And that also God was perfecting me in that moment as much as, as, much as I didn't want to be perfected, as much as I hadn't intended to be perfected that day. But God was working things in me, and I had to trust these people. And mostly, more than them, I had to trust God in this moment. And, and as we talked about, too, you know, this, this pressure of waiting and making good decisions. And I made a great decision to not make the surgeon upset and angry at me as he brought my son into the world. And I surrendered my pride. And so God taught and God moved and God worked through that. And we, we, you, uh, brought my son Joshua into the world. They, they pulled him out, you know, this is how it works. This comes out, right? And, and there he was, and they brought him out to me, and it was just this beautiful moment. In that moment, all that stuff kind of faded as I looked on Josh, and all of you know Joshua, for those of you that do, and if you don't, just stick around for three seconds, and you'll get to experience him. But he is just this great uh, just ball of energy, just so much life, and it was such a blessing, especially we'd, you know, we were on the backside of losing a child, so it was like this moment of just amazing uh, just glory. I'll just put it that way, that God was just smiling down in that moment. And so it was really awesome. But that part was difficult, you know. And, and so today, you know, as, as, as I think about that, and, and you have your own story, you have your own moment maybe where you were in a moment like that, where you were waiting and, and you were anticipating and all those things were happening. And as, as today, as we draw our attention to the, the, the first advent, as we look back to when Jesus showed up, you know, we can look back over this past month or so, and we can recall really the buildup and anticipation that has been taking place here this month in December. For most of us, it has been about a month or so, you know, uh, waiting for an anticipation. But some of you, I know, love Christmas and you love this time of year. And literally the day after Christmas, your anticipation begins to build for the following year. Anybody here, Mr. or Mrs. Christmas? Okay, yeah, it's totally cool. I love it. And, and I love it too. I, I like to anticipate, but it's, you know, again, it's, it's an anticipation, right? We wait and we, we're looking forward to. The kids today are anticipating either tonight or tomorrow morning, Christmas Day, right? And so understandably, we, we typically look at the Advent season from our perspective, meaning when we look at Advent, we're always thinking of ourselves waiting for God to come to earth. We're waiting for that Christmas day. And, and you know, that's, that's the thing. And that, that's, that's common. That's, that's our nature. And that's the perspective we have as God's creation. But I want to ask you today, have you ever imagined what it might have been like for God the Father leading up to that first Christmas? As God was anticipating from the moment, really, Adam and Eve in the garden, and from the moment that sin entered the world, there was this probably anticipation and God was looking as God began to put this plan in place of when he was going to send his son. As he considered the condition of his creation, the place of us being unable to help ourselves, right? That was the scene, whether we want to admit that or not, is that we were not able to help ourselves. How many in here have, have heard of um, a gentleman by the name of Paul Harvey? I know some folks... I have to ask now, right? We're getting further along and, you know. But uh, again, uh, just a, a great uh, voice on the radio, great storyteller. Many of you know this. And I came across this story and I want to share it with you this morning. And it might give us a little bit of insight maybe on God's perspective of, of that, that time. He writes this. He says, um, and again, this is a story not, you know, not about 
God, but it's about something else, but we can learn from it. Okay? You understand? Okay. So he says this. He says, one raw winter night, a man heard an irregular thumping against the kitchen storm door. He went to a window and, and he watched as tiny shivering sparrows, attracted to the evident warmth inside, were flying into the window, thinking they could come inside and they would hit the window and they would fall down. The farmer was a very compassionate person and he was touched, so he decided to help these helpless birds and he bundled up and trudged through the fresh snow to open the barn for the struggling birds. He turned on the lights, tossed some hay in a corner, sprinkled a trail of saltine crackers to where the birds were. How many feel like he's already gone beyond what we would have done, right? But he did it. So he tr sprinkles his saltine crackers, and, and again, to where the birds were. But the sparrows, who had scattered in all directions when he emerged from the house, hid in the darkness and didn't come to the barn. And so he tried some other things. He circled behind where the birds were and tried to drive them into the barn. He tossed cracker crumbs in the air toward them, retreating to his house to see if they'd flutter into the barn on their own. Nothing worked. Because he was a huge alien creature and he had terrified these birds, the birds could not understand that he actually wanted to help them. And so he withdrew to his house and watched the doomed sparrows through a window and as he stared, a thought hit him like lightning from a clear blue sky. If only I could become a bird. If only I could be one of them just for a moment. Then I wouldn't frighten them so much. I could show them the way to warmth and to safety. At the same moment, another thought dawned on him. He had just grasped the entire principle of the Incarnation. A man becoming a bird is nothing compared to God becoming a man. The concept of a sovereign being as big as the universe he created, confining himself to a human body, was and is too much for us to understand. Isn't that a great picture? And, you know, it, it does. Again, we can't perfectly grasp, but I love that last part that, that it is. This is something so, so grand and so grandiose that we cannot comprehend it with our mind. Of God, the creator of this universe, how he could, again, pour himself fully into this human body, and especially into this little baby in that manger. For many of us, we have been coming to church this time of year for a long, long time. For others here this morning, this may be your first time and hopefully it won't be your last. But regardless of how long we have heard the account of God coming to earth as a baby, we must understand that we will never fully comprehend this extraordinary event on this side of eternity. There are lots of big terms and big words used to describe what happened, right? This hyperstatic union, it's a fun one to say. But it's, it's that God, again, he was fully God and fully man. He wasn't half God and half man. Fully God and fully human in that moment and in that, that child, again, had come to earth. And you think about that farmer and what, what it would have been to have become that little, a little sparrow, a little bird, and you think about how different and how contrasting that is. <laughs> what would be given up, you know, 
from that farmer to become that, but his love and his compassion were so great that he was willing to lay down so many of his comforts and his strength and his power and his abilities because he loved those little birds so much that he was willing to take that sacrifice. You see, the world that night had been looking for a promise, for the promised Messiah, not just that night, but for really for hundreds of years, right? You want to talk about waiting, (laughs) waiting for hundreds of years, generation after generation, night after night, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, they had watched with nothing happening. But then one night something changed. You see, everything changed in that first Christmas day arrived. Um, I will be reading from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 and 9 through 11. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the, in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Today we light the last candle, the Christ candle. This candle represents Jesus, who is the Son of God, love's pure light. The night Jesus was born was a holy night, for on that night the Savior of the world was born. Jesus came to earth not merely to be a good example for us to follow or a great teacher of wisdom, though he was both of these. Instead, Jesus' primary purpose in coming was to help us in our greatest need the need to remove the barrier that stands between us and our Creator. That barrier is sin. Our sin relationships ruins relationships. Our sin destroys our dreams. Our sin causes harmful habits. Our, sins, our sin hurts not only us, but it hurts those all around us as well. Jesus came to take away the sin that ruins us and to give us a new birth in Him. Jesus can give us the peace we all, we all are seeking here today. Peace with God. Jesus is the light of truth that shows us the way to eternal life through a relationship with God. Today, we remember that Jesus is all we need, and we seek to worship him as our Savior and Lord. Let us bow our heads and pray. O oh, holy God, as we have ignited the center Christ candle, we rejoice in the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is the true light of the world. In the same way this candle shines, may his light shine in our hearts and homes. And may we remember the true meaning of Christmas, which is the gift of your love and grace. Thank you for the hope, love, joy, and peace this Advent season has brought into our lives. We welcome the birth of Jesus with open hearts and gratitude. And may we spread his light throughout the world for all to see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, Jesus came. Amen? Jesus showed up. And again, this year is a little different because our week four of Advent and Christmas Eve fall on the same, and we always light the Christ candle on Christmas Eve. But he came. He came. The promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, was finally here. And we fast forward now 2,000 years later to this morning now on this Advent Sunday and the last, again, week of our series, Waiting Room, I want to spend just a few moments now uh, just taking a closer look at the beautiful truth that Jesus did arrive that first Christmas. And so even now, we are not alone in our waiting. 
Day in and day out, we find ourselves, what I call, in, in these moments, what I call micro-waiting moments. But the big focus of our waiting, again, is, is really for the second coming of Christ, when he will return to earth and he will make things new. That, that same arrival, but a very different arrival. The same person, but a very different arrival. arrival not as a baby, but again, as, as, as Lord and a conquering king. You see, Jesus came exactly at the right time and right place. We move from moment to moment. We move from place to place in our lives. And through this process, we learn about right time and right place. This is a conversation, obviously, with us having four boys at a dinner table every night. We talk about right time and right place. Can you relate to that? (laughs) There's a right time and right place. And Jesus, he came again at the right time and the right place. In Galatians chapter 4, if you turn in your Bibles, verses 4 and 5, it reads that, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Think about that. Again, when Jesus came to earth, it wasn't just just coming in, but he was coming for a reason and for a purpose. He was sent to buy our freedom because we had, someone had a rightful uh, claim to our lives. And that was Satan, the enemy, because of sin. And we had to be purchased from him. Why? So now we could just be left on our own, but so that, again, God could adopt us as his very own children, as his own sons and daughters. Joy to the world really does get it right. Let earth receive her king. And Jesus was born, and and the curse of sin, again, it would now be broken forever. God, who is faithful, did what he set out to do way back in Genesis. The time was right, the characters were in place, and he would be showing the wonders of his love in a very real and tangible way. There's really something about an entrance, right? There's something that to be said about an entrance. I don't, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure there's a lot of you who are jump ropers in here, right? <laughs> Man, I hated that in gym class, right? You know, the double dutch with the two ropes, Right? And, you know, they're trying to explain to you, okay, you got to look for this moment, and you jump in. And I'm looking, and it's like, you know, 10 minutes go by. I'm like, I'm still looking for the right moment. I do not see it. And those jump ropes are plastic, and they hurt really bad. But you're waiting, and it's fascinating if you watch any, not that I sit around watching jump rope competitions, but if you were to do that, you, know, you watch them, and like, you're like, this is insane. And how they can just time it, and they jump in, and they start doing their little thing, Right? It's incredible. But what does it come down to? Right time, (laughs) right place, right? And there's something to that. You see, again, that's what the Advent is all about. That's the buildup. It's all, you know, the anticipation, but again, that, that, that actually showing up. And in that moment when Jesus makes his entrance, when God makes his entrance in that manger scene, it was at the very right time. You see, the advent of Christ is really what sets Christianity apart from any other religion on earth. God came to earth in that Christ child. God, who is above all and over all, the one that we could not reach or obtain ourselves, came down to us to meet us where we were. 
God came to dwell amongst his creation. Matthew 1, 21 through 23, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Going back to Isaiah, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Again, this, this, this term, this word, as you see there, it's Emmanuel, and it's, it's the one with an I. And it, it ha, in this translation, it's because of the original Hebrew word. It, is literally, it literally comes from two words, Emmanu with an I, Emmanu and L for God. Emmanu means with us, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. That's where we get this word. It is literally God with us. You see, that Savior Jesus, he would demonstrate to all what walking in true relationship with God the Father was supposed to look like. God with us. And you go back to Genesis and you go back to the garden and you see God walking in the cool of the evening with his creation. That's what the intention is here. What was Jesus' purpose on life here on earth? It's in John 5, 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, his Father. John 10, 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let me give you just a quick snapshot here, a quick wake up. Abundantly is not talking about big houses, lots of cars, loads of money. Abundant life is simply one that has relationship with God our Father. It comes down to relationship. Because if we truly have relationship with God, if we truly have relationship with our Creator, what else should we need? few folks here and, and, and our staff are, are going through a book called With by an author by the name of Sky Jothani. And it, it's, it's an amazing book that really, it kind of hits you between the eyes and then it hits you in the gut <laughs> and it slaps you a couple times because it comes down because you see how easy it is to get caught up in so many things that are not really seeking the heart of God, that are not seeking simple relationship with God. You see, the goal or target of our relationship with God shouldn't be to use God as a means to get what we want. Instead, here it is, the goal of our relationship with God should be just that. Relationship with God. And how many times, I know for myself, do I overshoot the mark? that I have a relationship with God, but somehow in my mind I get to the place where I think that I need something beyond that. Or I need to use that relationship to obtain this or to obtain that. When in essence, the relationship is really all that I need. Everything else is just a bonus, <laughs> right? Life with God. Life with God, life in relationship with God. For those of you who have been sold today here in this, in this church or in any church, hopefully not this church, but for those who have been sold a bunch of to-dos or don'ts version of Christianity, I'm here to tell you today that you were ripped off. 
Because there are many, many times and many even in, in veins of Christianity that, that sell this. Well, you have to do this and you have to do that. Or we sell it to ourselves, right? Well, God, I didn't do this, but I did this. That should count for something. When God is saying, all I want is relationship with you. It's not about what you've done or what you don't. Because honestly, there's nothing we can do that will, will make us any more loved by God. For those of you who are here this morning, maybe you've been sold the bill of goods that you just say five of these and four of those to be forgiven, and that's the version of Christ, following Christ that, that you've been brought up in. Well, I'm here to tell you today that you were ripped off. Because you see, it's the work of the cross that gives us forgiveness. It's the finished work of the cross that gives us that opportunity and that place to be found spotless before a holy God. Maybe some of you here were sold the bill of goods that you have to dress this way and not that way in that version of following Christ. And I've been a part of those churches before. When I was serving overseas, there was always, there were certain veins of, again, Christianity, I'll call it Christianity, but they're like, you know, if you weren't in a suit and tie and, and dress slacks, then, then there's no way you could be a Christian. And I would scratch my head. I'm like, you know, why is that? What is it? You know, is it a price tag? Is that what it is? I mean, in reality, there were times when some of my jeans would cost more than somebody's whole suit. <laughs> I mean, what are we measuring here? Now, again, I'm not saying to not dress nice, so please, you all look great this morning, by the way. But that doesn't help us to measure up to anything. Do you understand? God just wants relationship with us. As we prepare to wrap up this morning, as we prepare to close, again, the reality is, church, and, and, and again, I want us to grasp this today, is that the, the fact is that we are all in the waiting room. We're all in the waiting room. When you see the things happening on the news, when you see what's going on around the world, and you're like, God, what is going on? I feel like our waiting room is about to implode on itself, Right? But we are still trusting God. Why? Because we still have that relationship. We have that relationship. But we're all in a waiting room of some kind. Some of us here this morning are in a waiting room. We're waiting on news regarding a loved one. Some of us are waiting maybe on that promotion at work. Some of us are waiting on that next paycheck because things are really tight. Maybe some of us here this morning are waiting on a diagnosis. Maybe some of us here are just waiting on tomorrow to arrive. <laughs> Maybe some of us are waiting for Christmas morning tomorrow and just the, the anticipation. And some of you here are just waiting for me to stop talking. But let me tell you a truth here this morning as we wrap up to, that many of us fail to take note of is this, is that, you know what? God is also waiting today. God is waiting today. He's waiting on you and he's waiting on me. For some of us, he's, he's waiting for, for us to hand him that heavy thing that we've been carrying around for too long. <laughs> that thing that maybe from our past that we've been bearing and, and feeling the weight of and we just can't get past. And he's waiting for you to, to turn that over to him.
For some of us here this morning, he's waiting for you to let go of that past sin that, that you think you will find fulfillment in, yet every time you do it over and over and over again, you're left in that same exact position and situation of wanting more. Because nothing in this earth can satisfy what only God can fill. And lastly, for some of us here in this place this morning, he's waiting for you simply to say yes to a relationship with him. You see, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If your greatest need had been technology, God would have sent you a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If, God, if our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need simply was forgiveness. And so God sent us a Savior. And that is the message that I want each of us to walk out of this room with today. And some of us here have grasped that. Some of us here have accepted that. And some of us know what it is to be in relationship with their creator, God. Some of us here understand fully what that baby entering the world meant for all mankind and all humanity. But that invitation still sits before each and every one of us today. And the question is, is will you accept the free gift that God has extended to you and to me? Please bow your heads. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this moment. I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, just that, Lord, the God of this universe, the God of this all creation, Lord, would want to have relationship with me and with us. And Lord, as you made your entrance into human history, as that baby, God, you came to a place and at a time when there was no room for you. <laughs> that you were literally born in, 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 in a stall with many animals in that manger. And it wasn't warm and fuzzy like a lot of the scenes we see today. It was cold. It was wet. But God, you came nonetheless. And God, I pray this morning for each and every person within the sound of my voice, both in this room and watching online. Lord, if there is anyone here who has yet to make that profession of faith, to acknowledge you, who you are, as Lord and Savior, that that baby will one day grow into a man and go to a cross to pay for our sin, that he would die, that he would raise again on the third day, to be seated at the right hand of God the Father. God, I pray for anyone here in this place today that hasn't made that profession, that hasn't had that privilege to experience what relationship with their Creator truly is. God, I pray that they would make that bold profession today. And God, for those of us here in this place that are believers, that are followers of Christ, that have a welcomed you in. God, we pray just to forgive us, Lord God, for those places where we've substituted other things of this world for happiness and joy and goodness that only relationship with you can bring. 
And God, I pray that if there is conviction there this morning, God, that we would lean into that, that we would accept that and that we would repent of that. And God, that you would move in our lives. And God, in that moment, just as those words would leave our mouth, that you would again move into that space and that you would once again just rekindle that relationship with you. And God, we are grateful that you are a God who is patient, who is kind, and who is long-suffering. And so God, I just thank you for each one here. I thank you for this time of year and for this season, Lord God, that our eyes would be fixed on you. And as we enjoy the, the festivities and all the time with family and friends, God, through it all, I pray most importantly that we would know the peace of knowing you as Lord and Savior of our life. God, we thank you for this morning and for what you've spoken to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen.